Good evening, you fantastic and glorious degenerates of this floating rock that we call Earth. Welcome to the Cajun Libertarian Live, the fastest growing podcast in the libertarian movement. I am your host, the Cajun Libertarian, and tonight we have a man that you all know and love, Matt Kibbe, next, live on the Cajun Libertarian. Yes, yes, yes. Welcome back to the Cajun Libertarian Live. Real quick, I want to introduce you to the Royal Green Series, written, authored by Jack Casey himself. I am here to tell you personally that these are tremendously terrible books. They're horrible in every way. You definitely should not read them. But with the pending doom and fall of the Republic upon us and World War III beginning to kick off, I hope you have your popcorn ready. You will need something to rain, to read for entertainment, or you might need a warm fire. Either way, go to royalgreen.com right now and check him out and see what those books have to say. Jack Casey, royalgreen.com. Uh, vid Debate. Video Debate is an app designed to give the users the ability to use their God-given right or free speech to post up to three-minute videos on the topic of the day. Every day, VidDebate will post a question in hopes to draw a strong opinion from all sides of a range of topics from pop culture to politics. Go download Video Debate right now. The programmer, or I'm, I'm sorry, maybe not the programmer, but the the designer, the, the mind behind VidDebate is a libertarian. He was recently the vice chair of the Libertarian Party of Mississippi. So please go check it out. Vid Debate. Available on Apple and the other one that you shouldn't. I'm just kidding. It's also Android. I know you got some Android lovers out there. I'm an Apple person. It's all good. But without further ado, let's bring on the man, Matt Kibbe. Hey, how's it going? Matt, what's happening, man? Hey, how's it going? It's pretty awesome to be here. No, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, things are going well. How are things on your end? Uh, you know, they're pretty good. I, I live, uh, um, for reasons I can't fully explain, I live on Capitol Hill, so I'm in the belly of the beast. And uh, right. um, they're, they're, they're already establishing like security perimeters and, and all sorts right. of funky stuff going on around my house in anticipation of 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 some apparent uh, trucker convoy that's going to be arriving two or three days from now. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be extremely exciting, fun to watch, a little bit on edge as we were talking beforehand about what's happening. And before we get into that real quick, I got to ask you because I tell people all the time, I am a, uh, I, I, I tell people, I say Glenn Beck is my, or the Glenn Beck program is my guilty pleasure as a libertarian, right? I try right. to listen to it just about every day. So how is it working at the Blaze and, and with Glenn Beck? So I, I I am friends with Glenn Beck. I've I've known Glenn for a long time. He has stood with me in some very difficult situ situations. And I've my experience is that he is very liberty curious. Um he's yeah. he's kind of a closet libertarian himself. I hmm. had a fascinating conversation with him about his original endorsement of of the war in Afghanistan and his regrets about that. Um, but I can tell you as as one of only, I guess, two libertarians, there's lots of people that are sort of libertarian curious at the blaze, but right. but it's me, it's me and Eric July. Um, and I think Eric would say the same thing. Um, I am never told what to say, what not to say. I'm never told, oh, you can't publish that. Um, so I, I think it's I think it's important that that we engage uh, people on the right, uh, constitutional conservatives, uh, people in the middle that don't know who they are yet, people on the left that are willing to listen. I, I want to talk to everybody. And I, I, I think that one of the things that maybe we'll talk about tonight is just like having a little, yeah. libertarians love to shout people down. And I think sometimes listening to normal people might 
teach us a little bit about how liberty works in practice as opposed to some of the theories that we love so much? Amen. I actually pre- that I'm I love the fact that you just said that because I preach this all the time. I try not to preach at anybody, but I talk about it consistently, habitually, all of the fun words we like to use. But I, I try to encourage people, hey, look, the the single mother with three kids down the street trying to afford gas and groceries and get her kid to school, she doesn't care how much Ayn Rand you read. She doesn't care how much Frederick Bastiat you read. She does not give a damn about your libertarian literature or philosophy. What she cares about is how in the hell she's going to put food on the table for her kids and get them to school. Absolutely. And that's, um, you know, we it's it's okay that that we sort of started as these, at least I did. I, I, I won't castigate you in this way, but I started off as a, as a dorky kid reading a lot of books, um, including Ayn Rand and Ludwig von Mises. And this was, this was a, the most horrible way possible to meet girls when I was in high school, but, but, but I did it anyway, but it, it, I've, as I've become an adult and I mean that more mentally, um, I I don't really like this idea of growing up even as an old guy, but you, you start to learn, um, that, that there's a lot more to be had by listening and, 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 and studying how people phrase things and the language they use and, you know, they never talk about the non-aggression principle. Like no one knows what the heck that is, um, but that's okay because, because um, you know, normal people have the concerns that you just described. Like, how do I, how do I feed my kids? How do I get to work? Um, what's go- why? Why is everything suddenly so much more expensive than it used to be? Um, yeah. These these are questions that that we should help answer. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. And uh, it's, a, it's a phrase that I use all the time, and that's meeting people where they're at. And uh, I tell my audience knows this because I talk about it all the time. And that's um, I have a I'm in a super advantageous position that I have a job that I get to meet new people every day. I'm in their homes every day. So I'm in their private domain and I get to have these personal conversations, these very intimate conversations. And it allows me to have you know, to find a way. And I just talked about this as I was speaking at the Libertarian Party of Arkansas event. I use a simple phrase where I, I just ask them about what their concerns are, ask them about their life and find out what's going on. What are they concerned about? And there's no doubt that at some point in that conversation, I can say, well, yeah, that's because your government sucks. Yep. And and from there, obviously, I can go on to libertarianism. Sorry, go ahead. You you can always you can always sort of point out the, the mistakes that that we make when we ask, we sort of outsource responsibility to government and it always sounds like a good deal. But, but when you, when you really drill down on what concerns people, and I, I always say this about a a Bernie Sanders stump speech, like almost everything he complains about is ultimately when you, when you, when you lift, lift the veil, you discover that he's really complaining about abuse of government power. If he's complaining about crony capitalism or never ending wars, um, or or the the war on drugs and mass incarceration, these are all stories about abuse of government power. So I think I think that's it's an opportunity as long as we don't sort of lead. Like I don't want to lead with the government sucks because I don't I don't think that's how a lot of people think about it. They think about those right. problems, right? Right. Like like why are we putting so many kids in jail? Um, that's mm-hmm. a practical problem that affects people. And and eventually you can get to the point where, you know, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. And that's why we have exactly. to limit it or stop it or or move to something that's that's voluntary and community based and, and based on mutual cooperation and respect. Like these are these beautiful human values that are at the core of, of libertarian philosophy. Man, that is so beautifully put. And I love how you said that we uh, we've outsourced. Or, or a lot of us outsource some of these issues and problems. And I think we've seen an expansive just uh, outpouring of that over the last two years in regards to COVID. So over the last two years, we've watched uh, businesses be crushed. We've watched people not be able to attend funerals, not be able to get married. We have kids being muzzled for no reason in school. We've watched people have to die in hospitals alone because their family members weren't allowed to attend. We can go on and on and on and on and on with examples while these elitists and these globalists, they have their own little soirees because they're clearly since day one, they have not yet 
not once been worried about this disease, this virus. And yet we were all supposed to be scared and live in fear as we outsourced our liberty as a whole, not all of us, because as my audience well knows, I was vehemently against two weeks to flatten the curve. And yeah. so here we are now, clearly and unequivocally reaping the repercussions of those actions. How on earth is there a possible way peacefully to get at least back to the tyranny pre-COVID? So, so yeah, yeah, we have to get back and, and, but we have to understand what happened and, and for uh, my entire life and certainly the, perhaps the entire history of, of big government power mongers, they've been looking for the chink in our armor. They've been trying mm -hmm. to figure out what scares us the most. And, and they've, it's always, um, it's always some, something that they demonize and typically, whatever they're demonizing, they declare a war against, right? And right. so there was there was a war on poverty. There was a war on terror. Um, there's there's a war on crime, and mm -hmm. and now there's a there's a war on on a virus, the war on COVID, mm -hmm. and and it always turns out exactly the opposite of of what they promise us. And you know, you may remember in those first couple weeks. Um, and I also was one that 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 spoke up very early, um, um, just suggesting that perhaps people uh, people with the best of intentions had not considered what it would mean if you actually shut everything down and stayed home. And they had a more vivid way of saying it. Um, there was a hashtag in that first week: "Stay the f home." Huh. And yes, and and so my first thought was. Have you given it serious consideration as to what would actually happen if everybody stayed home? Right. The, the entire system that feeds us and clothes us and keeps us warm or keeps us cool, whatever that is, the entire system would shut down in a matter of weeks and you would have um, just mass human devastation like you've never seen before. Well, it turns out they weren't talking about everybody staying home. They were talking about the laptop class and the elites and and the government bureaucrats and every every all those those crony corporations that feed off of that they didn't worry for a single moment as to whether or not they would have a job because they just worked nope. from home and yet everyone else even though we were being told to stay home everyone else was expected to still do their job so that the food kept growing and the truck drivers kept driving and that poor guy that had to deliver that your the food to your front door well he's essential right so right. The, it, this became kind of a and i it's funny it's funny that it happened this way given that how it's become kind of a left right thing but it's really a case of haves and have nots right you have an elite class yep. of people that um you know they didn't lose their jobs they didn't get fired because they weren't vaccinated um, they never worried about that stuff and everybody else, particularly people that were out there, you know, maybe it was nurses working in hospitals or truck drivers or anybody in that, that super complex chain of distribution that, that keeps us all fed and safe. Um, they probably got COVID the old fashioned way because they worked through mm. the whole thing. Right? right. And, and then, you know, fast forward to the last, uh, I guess it's been six months. I don't know when, when Joe Biden started talking about about vaccine mandates and and yeah, Joe Biden doesn't know either. Yeah, yeah. I I, I bet you I know more about when Joe Biden started thinking about it than he. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But but now now we're now we're like firing everybody, and he's even though he knew it was unconstitutional, he sort of um, either gave corporations the cover they wanted or tricked them into firing people, and it's just it's just the most disgusting anti-human thing that 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 sort of peels the the lid off of of any claims about caring about working people from right. from authoritarians right and it should be a huge red flag to people that try to embrace socialism communism marxism leninism whatever ism we want to talk about in regards to it's it's kind of funny right because I see these people, I try to engage with these people all the time, and every one of them full well knows that the government is absolutely corrupt, absolutely inefficient, ineffective, everything that they do, and yet they call for more government. I can't wrap my head around it.
Yeah, it's it it goes back to that the the question of fear and and um, yeah. rightly and wrongly because I, I I do think that this 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 virus for and we we don't need to go down this rabbit hole but this this essentially turned out to be a super virus right yeah. um, it it is highly contagious and highly dangerous particularly to older folks and and people with with other health problems and and I would never want to minimize the 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 danger of that. But at the same time, it there are there are so many other dangers in our lives that that we were we were convinced to put aside, um, you know. And 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 by the way, COVID's not the number one killer. Um, no. Cardiovascular diseases, and then comes cancer, and there's all sorts of things that people deal with. And now and now we're gonna now we're gonna discover the very vivid human tragic costs of ignoring all the other threats that come with living a life. And, right. and we, we put it all aside because we were so afraid. And then we gave all this power and authority to these unelected bureaucrats. And, and you were mentioning isms earlier. Right. And, and to me, the, the, the deadliest ism of all um, may well turn out to be scientism. Hmm. And, and that to, to me, that, that like if you go back to the, the intellectual roots of socialism, and 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 later with progressivism, it was always this this fatal conceit, as as my buddy Frederick Hayek would put it. It was always this fatal conceit that some people are smart enough to redesign all aspects of society from the top down, right. and and that's what that's what real socialism and communism was supposed to be. It was supposed to be sort of um, an elite um, way of of reorganizing society. And if and if you look at how we dealt with COVID from day one, it was a completely top-down, centrally planned solution, and dissent wasn't allowed, and 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 competing scientific theories about how you dealt with this was not allowed, and it turns out that the experts were catastrophically dead wrong, and and one hundred. So, so so my reaction, almost from day one, um, because you you could go. I I published a, a piece. Um, at freethepeople.org on this that was written in early March. And I was thinking about, I was basically thinking about Frederick Bastiat and Frederick Hayek and, and, and how it is that decentralized solutions tap into local knowledge and allow us to solve super complicated problems that we don't know anything about. And there was this narrative in the early weeks of the pandemic, there are no libertarians in a pandemic. And mm. I always thought that was dead wrong. That's ex precisely, precisely the time we need decentralized solutions and, and, and frankly, an open scientific debate about the proper way to do things. And, and we didn't do all that. We centralized it and it was catastrophic. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I'll ask you this because it's, a, it's of my opinion that it's not only that they were catastrophically wrong on damn near everything. They ignored natural immunity. They ignored the ineffectiveness of, uh, or at least the, the prolonged in ineffectiveness of the uh, vaccine. I don't even call it that. I call it a shot at this point because it's really nothing more than a therapeutic. Um, they've ignored things that we've known to be scientifically sound and true for decades and i'm starting to believe or maybe not starting to i believe for a long time all of this was ignored intentionally and they know what they were doing like morgan dow uh puts right here gain of function we know that uh fauci was involved with gain of function research thanks to Rand paul pointing that out but i feel like that was kind of obvious we, we know that for you know damn near a fact we don't, I guess we can't say 100% that this came from a Wuhan lab. We know that there's gain-of-function research. We know that they were doing faulty uh, scientific business behind the scenes. A lot of money being exchanged back and forth, thanks to Glenn Beck and his uh, chalkboard two-hour. I've watched it a couple of times. Absolutely fascinating and remarkable what has happened and what we're still discovering. Oh, and, and I ju we just came out today, What not today, but a couple of days ago, the CDC has admitted to hiding information for the quote-unquote good of the public. I mean, all of this is absolutely remarkable. It's criminal. I 
I want these people to go to prison. I want lockdown politicians. I don't want them just voted out because they know they're about to get voted out. They're about to get slaughtered in the midterms, most likely in 2022, in November, I'm sorry. I want these people locked up for their crimes against humanity. I mean, how on earth can we allow, especially as libertarians, because most of us, I would say, like you said, they're like, oh, where are the libertarians during all this? We've been here. It's just an age-old story that nobody listens to us. And I just don't know. Maybe you can be the optimist in this conversation. I, I can't possibly see how these people that have literally, and not just that, but withholding therapeutics, right? Early therapeutics. Millions or at least hundreds of thousands of lives could have been saved if this hadn't happened. None of the, Are these people going to face consequences, real consequences? Um, I, I think they are, and and I think uh, I think you're right about the political consequences. And I would I would point to the just incredible shift in global opinion um, that was triggered by by the Canadian truckers. And I, and I hope we dig more right. into that. But but yeah. I do like a lot of these were lies in plain sight, like uh, Fauci's uh, very explicit strategy of 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 lying to people for their own good. It was always there. And, and everything you talked about, like Fauci has published academic articles, um, defending gain of function research and defending yeah. even the possibility that a lab leak could happen. And, and a lot of people could die. He said, it's well worth it, That this was his view before 2020 happened. And, Amazing. and, a lot of these things, and, and I'm, I was trying to find her tweet today, um, and I may butcher her name, but there's this uh, infamous CNN commentator. I think her name is Lena Wen. Do you know who I'm talking mm. about? She, um, uh, yes. She's, yes. She's just a radical lockdowner. And yep. today, in a 180-degree pivot, she's suddenly noticing that there are real developmental problems and speech problems with with little kids that we she has demanded be yep. masked from day one and and she is probably the worst propagandist but there's an army of these people and it starts at the cdc and the nih and and the biden administration and by the way trump is is not free of culpability on all this stuff. right he's he's the guy that platformed fauci in the first place so um Facts. there has to be accountability but i also think there has maybe more important than accountability there has to be some learning amongst people in terms of uh figuring out a better way to solve really complex social problems and this we always sort of when yeah. when we panic when we get afraid we fall back on on wanting someone from the government to help us and it turns out for a lot of reasons uh, you know there's there's two basic reasons that government is very lousy at helping us when we really need them to do something useful. One is that they don't know nearly as much as they say they do, hmm. which is why we need bottom-up local solutions to tap into that local Dang. knowledge. Uh, and the other problem is they 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 like power, and they're self-interested <laughs> and self-serving. You know, you know, we all care about our own interests, right? But if you yeah. combine our self-interest with with that unchecked power. That's when really horrible things happen. And, and, you know, I think instinctually we know these two things, but we still like when we, when we get afraid, we're like, uh, okay, let's, let's just trust Fauci and, right. and let's, uh, let's turn him into almost a, a deity a deity, and, <laughs> and, and, and let's go by, by Fauci prayer candles, which is a thing you can find on Amazon <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, and it's, it's creepy and awful, but um, I think I think we need I think we need to to sort of help folks figure out that there's a lot of power in community and there's a lot of power in in people um, being free to innovate and solve problems and and one example I love to use is just um, we all remember the now disgraced uh, Andrew Cuomo hmm. over overriding decisions of of local hospitals and particularly nursing homes. Enforcing recovering COVID patients in the nursing homes. He has 
I mean, this should have been obvious, right? You have you have to be an idiot not to realize that this was a bad idea. But even if it did seem like a good idea, a better way to have done that would have been to ask the local healthcare providers, the people that are on the ground doing this stuff day after day, do you think this is a good idea? And they, of course, told him it was a bad idea. And then he threatened them to pull their licenses when it, when he criticized them. So that like mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a microcosm of of the power of local knowledge and the destructive nature of overriding that with power. And you could apply that to every situation. And and to me, that's that's more up, uplifting than just saying, wow, government sucks. And, and oh, by the way, the government killed a bunch of of seniors that didn't need to die. Right. Um, it'd be better to say, you know what? There's a tremendous amount of of hope and power in in all of these these folks on the ground that are doing their best to take care of people. That that to me yeah. is like the undertold story of liberty. Is like all that beautiful power that happens in 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 real community, which is voluntary. Yeah, I I mean, that's so well said, the power of the community banding together, um, expressing love. This is something that I talk about habitually and all the time is the reason I, I'm even here right now. The reason I, I sacrifice all that I'm a you know dad, I work 50, 60 hours a week. Most of the time, I got three kids and wife. And the reason I spend so much time on this is literally because I care about other people. I care about human beings. And I think that that resonates. I think that is probably like we talked about beforehand, authenticity and people understand and really fully will well know that I truly do care about human beings. And I think that there's a majority of people out there that feel the same way I do. And I think we've seen an an absolute outpouring of that, especially the last two years. I honestly think that the government and and these uh, socialist, communist, dictatorial uh, fascists, whatever we want to call them, these tyrants, they hate that community and love. And we're seeing that a lot with the truckers. I want to get into that. I was, but real quick, I was hoping this was the tweet you were talking about. This is not the person you were talking about, but this is something also that is just so alarming and horrible. And I just wanted to take a second to uh, read it to you. I don't know if you've heard it or not, but the, and this was about four or five days ago. The CDC just lowered the standard for speech in early childhood development. This is for Jennifer Say, another blue check. Instead of highlighting the harmful effects of masking and social isolation have had on small children, the CDC just lowered the bar. Yeah. Yeah. It, and and by the way, a shout out to Jennifer Say. Um, people should follow her. She was uh, an executive vice president at, at Levi's Corporation, oh, wow. uh, the jeans makers in San Francisco. And she ultimately was given an ultimatum where she had to shut up about the horrible things that were happening to kids under lockdowns and and mask mandates and and remote learning and all of the horrible things we've we've done to to kids during these past two years. Um, she was she was told to shut up, and so she quit her job instead. And now wow. she's now she's unleashed, and she's a she's a self described lefty who is just livid about this stuff, particularly when it comes to kids. So, so give her a follow. And I, I, one of the, one of the, one of the reasons that I would be optimistic about um, what's happening in response to the last two years is a number of people, um, you know, it's happening, it's happening more on the left probably because Biden is the man in power right now. And they, and they see the lockdowns and the, and, vaccine mandates and all that stuff. But a lot of people are leaving the left to discover liberty and that sense of community. So I think that's that's a big thing. But but to your but to your uh your fundamental point, um this is not the first time in this pandemic that the CDC has redefined their terms. Um, Thank you. <laughs> and and they they did it um and Thomas Massey has been excellent on this. He's yep. he's monitored with um with real focus, the, the changing definition of what a vaccine is. Exactly. And, and, um, and because, and they, and they actually said in FOIA emails, we're going to change the definition because under our old definition, people can demonize our efforts to impose vaccines on everybody. And I'm like, yep. 
And so it's it's like it's it's incredibly Orwellian. We're just going to keep moving the bar lower as we continue to pursue policies that should like I, I don't know, like are they are they stupid or evil or both? Are they just covering their tails or is there some uh, grander uh, effort here to to subjugate human beings? I mean, we, we could go down all those rabbit mm. holes. Um, mm. But to your point, these people need to be held to account. Absolutely. Because people have died and lives yes. have been ruined in, in very catastrophic ways. And, and we need to understand what happens. And, and it's, it's both holding people accountable, but it's also um, holding ourselves accountable to be perhaps a little more um, thoughtful and brave under pressure when the next thing comes. And there's, they're going to throw one thing after another after us. Thank you. And we need to have a little bit of faith in, in our neighbors and a little bit less faith in the people that duped us last time in the government. Uh, well, I, I cannot express how I can say yes to what you just said. Uh, the more we can gravitate towards back, towards that, right? To, I was going to say towards back that, but the more we can get to that point where we're expressing more trust in our neighbors, our friends, and our family, and less trust in the government, the more we will get back to liberty and individual responsibility, which is really the fundamental tradition and idea that this great experiment of America was founded on. And, and when we can get back to that, if we can, see, I, I'm kind of, I guess I'm a pessimist or a, a ni very nihilistic. I, I, there's parts of me that wholeheartedly believes that this thing is over. We had a great run, right? And historically speaking, if we're being accurate by, by the numbers here, if we make it another hundred years as a superpower, that would we would be the outlier to the rule, right? We'd be the exception to the rule, not the rule. The, the, the mathematically, the rule would be we shouldn't last another hundred years, but there's still hope. And the reason I have that hope is for, well, number one, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. Everybody knows that. Number two, I believe in other people, and I believe that, like Spike says all the time, we are the power. I'm going to read this comment, but I want to come back. I'm going to circle back to this later, David. Uh, how are we supposed to coexist with these people that hate our republic and do everything possible to make a socialist country, to make us a socialist country? Uh, great question. We're going to come back to that. I want to get into some good news before we get to that. Uh, let's shed a little bit of my nihilistic and, and uh, pessimistic views for a second. And let's talk about what you and I talked about before we jumped on camera. Let's talk about some of the good news of what's going on and what's happened just today in Canada. Yeah. Yeah. I've been, uh, I think a lot of us have been sort of obsessively watching what's going on in Canada with the truckers and it, it's been weeks and I, I don't know when this started exactly, um, but it is a master class in how to use peaceful civil disobedience to take on tyrants. And what happened today, the headline today, if you don't know, is that um, Trudeau backed down and he rescinded his claim of emergency powers. I call it martial law because it was far more Absolutely. than emergency powers. It was it was a blank check. Uh, given to the um, prime minister during times of war, yep. and and he he declared war on a bunch of people having dance yep. parties and hmm. letting their kids play in bouncy houses. So that that was the cognitive dissonance there. But but right. the, but, but what happened was from from a couple days ago until today, he he got the House of Commons to support to rubber stamp his 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 incredible new Palpatinian powers, if that's a word. Right. And it, apparently the Senate wasn't going to give him the vote. So he was going to get shot down um, actually by his own coalition. And that's why he backed down. He didn't back down because he didn't want the power. Obviously, he wanted the power. But he jumped the power monger shark. And even there's, there's a, a kind of a surprising op-ed in the New York Times uh, castigating him 
for using such extraordinary government powers against the, the peaceful protesters. And it and it, this was always the, the the problem that he had is he had this playbook. We were talking about this before we went live. He had right. this playbook where he called them violent and racist and and Nazis and and I, I, I probably a couple other really awful things. And the problem is with technology and and a shout out to, to Rebel News. I don't know much about them, but man, did they cover this this uh, truck driver uh, yeah. pro- protest perfectly. Um, there was no evidence that Trudeau's narrative was true. Um, if anything, it, it they were so Canadian, right? There, it was always right. like, please and thank you, and we love you, and <laughs> let's get along. Um, I, I hope Americans are that good at at being peaceful when 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 being dealt the kind of indignities and and even physical violence that that Trudeau's police were, were, were doing to these peaceful protesters. Um, but I, you know, I was thinking about, um, um, you know, back in the day I was, a, I was a tea party organizer and, and a couple of, uh, there's a book that I would recommend to every libertarian. It's called a force more powerful and it's 10 case studies in nonviolent social revolutions that fundamentally change the world. And, and one of them is about Gandhi. Another is about the solidarity movement in Poland. Um, obviously, one of them is about the civil rights movement in the United States. But, but the but the formula, uh, the details are always different. But the formula is, you have to turn public opinion against your oppressors, and you can't do that by using the same tactics that they use against you. And, and, and Martin Luther King was quite explicit about this. You don't, you don't, you don't respond to violence with violence and as much as you want to, right? Like you're, you're getting beaten. You're, you know, they're, 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 they've, they've turned the fire hoses on you. Um, They're doing all these things to try to instigate you to violence. And, and the Canadian truckers never took the bait uh, to this day. And then think about what was happening in the last 48 hours. They're, they were seizing their trucks um, they were threatening to take their pets and euthanize them. They were going to seize their children. Um, they were seizing their assets. Um, they're beating them down in the streets, even though they're yeah. not fighting back. Yeah. Um, so what what happened was public opinion, and maybe maybe not just Canadian opinion, but world opinion, said, "Wow, this is horrific." And and Trudeau took that took that heat, and and to me, this is uh, I. And I have this argument sometimes with people that that you know people that that have more guns than than they prob- <laughs> probably need for self defense. Um, always saying, you know, when 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 do we fight back? I'm like, no, that's their that's their strategy. Their strategy is violence. Our strategy is peace and cooperation. And and as uh, as you would be taught by leftist community organizers like Saul Alinsky. Um, hmm. if, if you embrace tactics that are against the values of your community, it's not going to work. He had a more colorful right. way of saying it, but, um, hmm. you know, we, we believe in mutual respect. We, we don't, we don't believe in violence and, and that's how we win public opinion in a way that perhaps we haven't tapped into yet. And I'll, I'll, I'll give you a specific yeah. example about America. You remember, you remember this, this famous quote from, from John Adams, um, probably writing in 1774, 1775, saying that America was one-third patriot, one-third in the tank with the British or Tory, and one-third up for grabs. And he said it in a more colorful way. Um, So you're talking about the the spirit of 76 was only imbued in about a third of the colonial American public. And it was it was explicit nonviolent tactics after, after the British massacred all the colonists, the response was the Boston tea party, which other than destroying a lot of tea was nonviolent. Right. And that, and that's what galvanized that third of Americans who were trying to figure out who we were. And if you think about everything we do, like we're not, we're not trying to convince true believers. We're not, we shouldn't, 
maybe argue so much about that that final little knit of libertarian philosophy, but think about how you engage people that aren't, and this actually goes to the question that was asked, like, um, how, how do we live with people that want to enslave us? And I'm characterizing his question. Right. I don't think most people do. I, I think there's, there's absolutely an elite power structure and, and a hard left component that is very authoritarian today. Right. And, and I'm sure there's, there's folks across the political spectrum that have that authoritarian urge, but we're not talking to them. We're talking about that third of America that is up for grabs, trying to figure out how to, how to fix these problems and get back to uh, living peacefully amongst people that might be very different than they are. Right. <clears throat> so you're, you're offering an absolutely very optimistic point of view. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to go back to his comment in a little bit because what he's saying is something that's been heavy on my heart lately, but I wanted to ask you and, I think you bring up some enormously valid points, right? If we can convince the the right amount of population that we, as we know it, with concrete, without question, that we are on the right side of history right now, if we can if we can win in the public court of opinion and convince the vast majority of Americans that we can peacefully return ourselves, back to the way or restore that should be the word I should have used. I apologize. Restore ourselves and our community, our society, our country back to the way it should be. Can we win that way? Cause I think you pretty much did just say yes. If not, when is our, you know, like our quote unquote Thomas Paine moment? When is the, George Washington on Christmas Eve cross the river moment, right? Because that can't be, that can't be completely out of the question, but it needs to be, you know, the, the 0.01% answer. So you need to, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm an optimist because I have to be, and I, right. I actually, I actually believe all libertarians, even the ones that are constantly um, declaring the end of the world and, hmm all of that. Um, the reason we do what we do is because we are optimistic yes. ab about these ideas. And these ideas are, are fundamentally embedded in the human spirit. So I, right. I think, I think our job is to find the optimistic scenario and to pursue it. And I, I think, I, I don't, I don't think it necessarily turns out the right way if we don't work as hard as we're all trying to work and we engage other people to do that. And I, I think, I think we're in the middle of a paradigm shift and it's this kind of, I've, I just rewatched the matrix trilogy. So, so indulge, nice. indulge that, but yeah. Um, one of my favorite I, trilogies of all time. It's, it's worth rewatching in the context of the, what of the last two years and the very real efforts to impose a social credit system. Um, and obviously we just saw what happened in Canada, seizing bank accounts, mm -hmm. That is the weaponized tool that the, the communist Chinese government uses to um, force its citizens to submit to what they would call patriotic behavior and I would call enslavement. Um, right. So it's, you know, the, the matrix metaphor is, is more real than perhaps we like. But, but I think going back to um, at least Ron Paul 2008, you can even go back further and look at other sort of political movements, technology has liberated people from the machine. And by the machine, I mean all of these top-down structures that you used to tell us what to think and what to do. Um, and it, you know, it could be politics, it could be corporations, it could be the media, right. uh, wh whatever that is, that was all, it was all based on sort of a, a blind trust you're not old enough, but I'm old enough to remember when Walter Cronkite, an icon of, of mainstream media, used to end his 20 minutes of news that we were allocated every night on the TV right. with, that's the way it is. And he right. said it with a smile, so it sounded nice. But he was basically <laughs> telling you that that's all you're going to get from me. There's no right. more. So like technology... And the democratization of information and knowledge, and yes, all these social media platforms that we're now so frustrated with, it liberated right. us from having to blindly trust 
our betters, and I put the betters in danger quotes. Right, right, right. And, and we and we started to realize uh, we we got red pilled, not in a political sense, but in a matrix yeah, sense. Matrix and, sense. And discovered that um, my cat has joined us. By the way, nice. Yes. Always fantastic. Um, we got well, we got we got one that's uh, absolutely about to explode. She is fully pregnant. She's going to give birth any moment. Lots of babies. I'm yep. I'm a a hardcore cat partisan. Um, but we'll, we'll do a whole different podcast on why cats are better than dogs, but, uh, hey, let's do it because it'll upset people. But so, <laughs> so to, to the matrix thing, I feel like in a lot of ways, all the anxiety and anger and frustration, we're like Keanu Reeves, or I should say we're like Neo when we pull the wires out of our neck. Right. And we're like, what's going on? Right. What is this? And, and of course, there's a lot of anxiety and of course, um, I'm, I'm mixing my metaphors here, but of course the empire is going to strike back because they don't want us to have this power, this knowledge. Exactly. So I, I think, I think the reason it's so messy and the reason that people are so pessimistic and I, and by the way, I totally have pessimistic days, but the reason right. that is true is that we're in the middle of a paradigm shift and it's our responsibility as free people to to work it out and to engage other people that are, they, they, they just got the cord plugged from the back of their neck. Right. And they're freaked out. Um, and we, we need to help them sort of do that. And this is my, <laughs> this is my boy Reardon, by the way. And he loves, he loves to photo bomb on camera. That's awesome. <laughs> he jumped right up on your shoulders. That's incredible. That's what he so, does. Uh, I feel like uh, we kind of know the um, know the answer here, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Going back to David's question, this is something that I've been, or not I've been, but something that's been heavy on my heart about this coexisting. And then my mom so said something as well. Uh, half the country is fully invested in this progressive socialist idea. Mom, I don't know that half the country is. I think it's probably a fringe minority as Trudeau tried to make out the truckers, which is absolutely false. But I do believe that uh, the vast majority of people embracing like this progressive, what I like to call progressive authoritarians disguised as Democrats. I think the Democrat Party's dead. There are no Democrats. Democrats, real blue dog Democrats are now either libertarians or left leaning Republicans. The Democrat Party is absolutely lost to this progressive authoritarianism. But let's say, you know, let's say there's a, a majority of these people that do want to enslave you. That, and we've seen the Rasmussen poll, right, where at least 28 percent of Democrat Democrats in quotes, uh, danger quotes, as you just said it, I like that, polled would, would want to lock you up and, and take away your kids for being unvaccinated. How can you live with these people? This is something that's been on my mind. But even though I think that's a fringe minority, they're still a very loud minority, as always. Squeaky wheel gets the grease. What about a national divorce? Can't that be a peaceful resolution? Just say, hey, look, there's no way we can share a government with these people. We'll trade with you. We'll be cordial. There will be no violence. But we cannot share a government with you anymore. Is that a possibility or is that just completely out of reach? So I... I mean, I, I think it's a possibility, but I, I think there's there's more uh, realistic strategies, um, and 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 one of them comes from um, Senator Mike Lee, who who I've had on my show, and, nice. and uh, he's he's perhaps I, I would argue that Mike Lee is is grossly underappreciated by libertarians. I agree. As as, as someone that that is always well, ninety nine percent of the time. Um, standing next to Rand Paul, trying to impose sanity on the Senate floor, which is a thankless job. But, but his right. his point, he's he's a constitutional lawyer, and and we've done a whole series with him where he sort of goes through the Constitution line by line, um, because I, I I think so few young people were ever even exposed to this this fascinating document, um, and his his point is as a Federalist, like. The whole reason that you don't want to centralize too much power in Washington, D.C. 
is that the founders understood that we're not all going to want to live exactly the same way. We're, you know, we come from different cultures and we, you know, perhaps have different social values and, and different um, uh, preferences. So, you know, his, his argument is that if we could um, start respecting states' rights again, that would be a good thing. And I, I think right. that's, I think that's a useful tactic. I don't, I don't think it's a, it's a magical solution at, by any means, but you can just watch all of the people migrating from California to places like Florida and realize that, that having choices about, about where you live is still a pretty, pretty vibrant way to, to avoid tyranny. But I, but I also, I also understand that, um, you know, federalism isn't really a core principle. It's, it's a tactic like, um, state right. states can abuse you just as badly as the federal government can, if not worse. Um, yeah. And and by the way, county councils can too. But but that sort of uh, I, I saw a tweet from the the Free State Project, I think it was today, um, that that argued that the tyranny of county councils is 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 better because it's more manageable. Um, the more local it is, the the more ability you have to to push back and know what's going yeah. on. So I. I I happen to be a big fan of the Free State Project as an yeah. experiment in 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 sort of building from the bottom up a community that respects the values of liberty, um, all of that stuff. But I'm, I'm not I'm not ready to give up on anybody. But um, we could we could uh, um, half jokingly, I've proposed two uh, free market trades. Um, first of all, I'd like to import all of the pro-freedom activists that were fighting against the Cuban socialist regime last summer nice, and trade them for all of the woke kids that somehow believe that Cuban health, that Cuban healthcare system is a dream. Oh, uh, amen. I'll take both of those. Thank even, you. even swap. And let's do the same. <laughs> let's do the same thing with uh, Canadian truckers. Like let's give them political, <laughs> political amnesty. Um, if they continue to be persecuted in their own country and, and we'll, we'll do a trade, like let's trade them for like college professors or something. I mean, I, I think there's a win-win here where they, <laughs> they can have more of the types of people that, that Justin Trudeau apparently wants to have. Right. And we can have people that actually believe in, in hard work and personal responsibility and, and gasp freedom, crazy, uh, crazy people. Right. Yeah. Us uh, extremists is are. It's amazing. I, I share um, memes and make memes and, and, and tweets all the time about how we people like you and I have been uh, at, it, we've been in the, centered in in and uh, what's the word I'm looking for? We've been um, it's, it's escaping me right now, but we've had a certain set of values that we've never deviated from this entire time. But the way the left has habitually pushed and pushed and pushed their own narrative and their own description of what political ideology or practice or science should be, they've pushed us into the right. Like, oh, you're just a right wing extremist. Oh, my bad. I'm a right wing extremist because I want to remain at the Bill of Rights. That makes me the bad guy. Like, I've not been right wing extremist ever. I've been at the same point the entire time. You've just shifted the goalpost. And it's amazing what you just said, because I've had more. I don't know if you know who Martha Bueno is. If sure. you don't. Yeah, absolutely. She's, she's awesome. Absolutely amazing. I've had her on a couple of times. And so it, I could not agree more. Why don't you go down to Cuba and go have the time of your life? We'll take all the Cubans that want liberty and freedom. And want to apply it and let everybody else live their lives as well. I mean, just incredible. So a shout out. I, I want to talk about a project that we're working on. And so we, we've done some video work with Martha. And she's been on my show as well. And she's she's fantastic. But we're working on a project called Ciudad de la Libertad, City of Liberty. And it's, it's a story about, um, it's probably going to be a story about Cubans who escape socialism and come to Miami Beautiful. seeking their version of freedom. And, and the first, 
guy that we've we've sat down with and we filmed and we'll have we'll have a piece of this it's going to be a full-length documentary but we'll have a piece of this uh, an artist named carlos luna and and he escaped uh, cuba when i think he was 20 years old and got to mexico and eventually got to to miami and and first of all he's a world-class artist like incredibly successful respected artist um, but his point is simple, and this is this is something that I that I tell stories like this a lot for young people that are sort of charmed by socialism. Uh, he says, "I could not create art in Cuba because the very nature of artistic creation means questioning authority and thinking for yourself and being free." So he he couldn't do be who he is today if he didn't live in a place like Miami, Florida, that allowed him to pursue his craft as he sees fit. And there's right. this, there's this, there's this really interesting and shocking trend amongst uh, socialism, authoritarianism, any, any of these deadly isms in practice is right. the tyrant always jails the artists and the actors and the poets and the novelists first because right. they're free thinkers, right? Absolutely. And, and if there's a central plan and and you have a bunch of free thinkers around asking difficult questions, that's just not a, not going to work. So the persecution um, and I think this, this would be shocking to a lot of young people that think that that democratic socialism is cool somehow. Um, it's you can't do art. You can't be creative. You can't think for yourself and you sure as heck can't speak for yourself. Right. in that world but anyway that's that's a uh, martha reminds me of that project and and she she absolutely has the personal story to go along with anyone that that thinks that let's say cuban healthcare, it's right. great if you happen to be a political poobah if you're a citizen yeah. you got nothing yeah it's communism at work right it's 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 uh if you're in a particular class then you're doing great if you're not in said class kind of like we have here right now if you're not a top one percenter then you're not an elitist elitist then it's rules for thee but not for me i get taken care of but you're kind of on your own situation so we're at an hour here matt and we barely even scratched what we really kind of wanted to dig into so if it's okay with you i'm gonna have to freaking have you back and continue this conversation because I thought this absolutely went magnificent. You are fantastic as expected. Uh, great conversation. I don't want to uh, push people too, too long, but we've got a lot to cover and, and you're a, an amazing human being. So I would love to have you back or um, maybe we set up some sort of series or round table or something yeah. of that sort, but either way, let's uh, continue this conversation. Yeah. And let's let do everybody. Yeah, thank you very much for coming on, man. I, I absolutely loved every second of this. I hate to even get off. Uh, if it was just me and you in private, we would go on for the next two hours. You know, it'd be like <laughs> talking to a, a friend awesomely or uh, amazingly because this kind of stuff just drives me. I'm, I'm sure you can tell it's it's why I'm here. And just gauging your last few, I was scrolling through all your podcasts on Spotify and just looking at everything. Also, by the way, I have your book on order. So if you don't know, y'all, go check it out. I think the name of it's Don't Hurt People Don't Take Their Stuff. Am I wrong? That's right. Yep. And I, I don't follow my suit. Go on Matt's website. Get it there. I put it in my cart in Amazon. I'm desperately trying to get away from Amazon. It's just so freaking easy. And uh, I, I'm trying to get away from there. But go buy Matt's book. Let us know what other... Uh, projects you're working on anything we can help you out with anywhere we need to follow you give us all that info real quick if you don't mind yeah check check us out uh you can you can look at all of our video work at free the people and and what we really try to do is uh tell human stories that that sort of amplify these these values that we've been talking about and and my crew is made up of videographers and artists and and technologists that know how to tell a story and then know how to reach an audience um, you can also check out Kibbe on Liberty, which is on Blaze TV if you're a subscriber, but it's also available 
on YouTube. It's available at freethepeople.org. And uh, let's let's just cause some trouble together. Because and and try try to stay optimistic. I, I get it. Yeah. Um, this has been an awful two years, but this should be our moment. Out of the ashes of some government disaster, always becomes an opportunity for us if if we're willing to yeah. sort of think think outside the box. Yeah, yeah, and I appreciate that. I I do offer more of a. You know, maybe I should probably turn off Glenn a little while. I do offer more of a nihilistic, pessimistic point of view perspective. It really is rooted in my love for people and humanity and my care and concern in desperately wanting people to be prepared. But um, I, I, I more, I'm more aligned with you, Matt. I, I am optimistic. I do believe that there's a, a, I always believe there's a hope because I'm a, I'm a believer and, and disciple of Jesus Christ. So no matter what happens, I know full well that I'm taken care of. I'm, I'm headed to the right spot, but also that there's always good, right? There's always people that are amazing like yourself, uh, like the team that you have, like the team that I have. There's always hope because we have human beings here, which sounds kind of ironic because human beings are kind of the, you know, the author of all this disaster that we have, but they are also, we're also authors of goodness and hope and, and just community. So yeah, no matter what, there's hope. And I definitely take your, uh, take your advice there. I will offer a more op- optimistic point of view and perspective from time to time, Matt. Thank you so much, man, for taking time to come on the show. I know it's late up there in DC. You're in the belly of the beast. I apologize. Thank you for being there. Uh, that's yeah, territory I don't wish to venture in, but thank you for being on the show, man. Is there anything else you have that um, you want to shout out to? No, I'm I'm good. Let's let's do it again, though. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much. We'll get together uh, in the next couple of days and try to figure some out something out either way. Because I believe wholeheartedly, you and I have a lot to talk about, and you have a large audience. My audience is growing, and I absolutely love the conversation, man. Thank you so much. Talk to you. Absolutely fantastic conversation with Matt Kibbe. Did you think it was going to go any other way? I mean, absolutely great. I'm on fire right now. I hate the fact that it was an hour. I would love to have spent the next two hours just continuing. There's so much to talk about, and I'm just so appreciative to be able to have a conversation with somebody that's so much more well-informed, so much more well-educated and doing the things that he's doing and having the audience that he's having to be able to converse with us and be the optimist. uh, Morgan Dow, you make a great point. That's why it was a good conversation. Optimist, pessimist, balanced. Yes. And look, y'all, I, uh, Matt makes such a great point. I will absolutely try to bring more optimistic news. I am the watcher on the wall. That is something that I've embraced. I've never really wanted to be that per se. It's just the role that I found myself in and maybe I should kind of, uh, find my own balance, right? I I need to myself discover and I say it all the time. The Greek adage, know thyself. So uh, here I am in this conversation live with y'all discovering that I I need to do a little bit better job of knowing myself as, as these things come to surface right in front of you. But that's the beauty of this conversation, right? That's the beauty of what you and I have as a host and audience is that I, and you full well know, I'm on this path and on this journey together with you. I'm learning every day. I'm learning every freaking second, and I absolutely love it. I cannot be more grateful. You guys are the reason that I'm here. I can't express it enough. I've been doing this for less than a year, and here I am with Matt freaking Kibbe on, Dave Smith, uh, Spike. I mean, everybody. It's amazing. Y'all are the reason. I cannot thank you enough. It's liberty first. It's positivity moving forward. We have solutions. There will be resolutions. We're seeing it happen in real time. In Canada, we won. They won. That win was for everybody. Everybody. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Thank you so much. I love y'all. You know that. I hope you know it. If you don't, please understand very much. I love each and every 
one of you. I will see you Friday night. Same Cajun time, same Cajun channel, and I'm out. Thank you.